0: This is episode 273 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Weiner, along with Seth Zillman and Jarrett Aubrey. And on this episode, we will be discussing this week's AEW Dynamite, including the debut of Limitless Keith Lee. Hey, OJ Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. We're wrestling and pop culture. Collide! Yeah. Welcome in to episode 273. We are going to be talking the W Dynamite this week that set some ratings, I don't want to say records, but Did did very well in the ratings, but before we get to all that, Seth, Jarrett, fellas, how the hell are you?
1: About as good as could be expected. You know, I'm I'm not even going to make another joke about the weather because we all know what the weather's like in the Midwest this time of year. So I'm just, uh, it it has been an interesting time to be a wrestling fan, like I've been saying for a while.
2: Yeah, I'm just happy that a certain someone is debuting in AEW and you know they're not gonna F him up like they've done in WWE. So cheers to that.
0: His one episode of Dynamite was better than his entire main roster run.
1: <laughs> you could say that one move in that match was better than his WWE when he originally did that huge toss. Yeah just
0: chucking Cassidy across the ring. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Ah, So last night was dynamite at last night as we record this. And we had the debut of not the bear cat, but limitless Keith Lee. And as I had described it to Jarrett, it was essentially everything we loved about the NXT version of Keith Lee just on a big stage like he should have been from the get-go. And he destroyed Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn, truth be told, and ran off Matt Hardy to the point where they felt the need to take a dig at Jeff Hardy and his WWE situation. Uh, Not a dig at Jeff, but basically how it came across uh, his exodus from WWE. But thoughts on the debut, including the whole aesthetic, the music, the look, the
1: gear, the match, how over he was, the crowd. Thoughts? I couldn't help but remember CM Punk talking about shortly after when he came back. He said that, that something about uh, the smile that I'm putting on, you know, the smile that I have. This is not a put on. You know, I'm, I'm genuinely happy to be back doing this. And I kind of got that same vibe. With Keith Lee when he came out I mean he just he seemed to have a real aura of confidence to him and like you know the matches like you said is what we got in the NXT and what he was doing on the indies as well because I think he was a uh, I think PWG he, he was in quite a bit he was he was with I think another big agile guy I forget what they called themselves they were like like the, uh, the pretty boy killers or something like that but uh, he did a great body press. It was like, it, it's a move that I think is kind of underappreciated. It was one of my favorite moves to see, you know, back in the old days of wrestling where all he'd do is he'd whip the opponent out of the ropes and then just do a standard press just jump in the air, go sideways. And it's almost like your clothesline on the guy with your body, you know, with your uh, torso or whatever. And, and that's how he did it. And, like I said, the the, the the toss was amazing. I don't know if he'll have promos or what, but you could not have asked for a better debut, I don't think. Uh, he's He is on that short list of guys that WWE gets rid of or lets go or whatever that I would say you'd be stupid not to at least try to pick him up. That said... I can definitely understand some of the concerns the, the, that AEW might have too big of a roster right now. You know, those concerns definitely are not without merit because there are guys that can get lost in the shuffle when a new face comes in. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know that they have dark and elevation and such. So they, they technically have four shows now, but you can only do dark and elevation so much before. I think people would stop caring about you, at least as far as the the main shows go. But yeah, heck of a debut.
2: That's funny, isn't it? Keith Lee's a guy that was was popular in NXT, and then as we've talked about many times in this show, got into uh, Survivor Series and got himself super over in one match, right? And and it was just a colossal screw-up afterwards. Bring him up to the main roster, or do nothing with them, leave them sitting at home and a complete waste. And when he was there, you know, he's one of the guys that tried to tweak and change and and mess with this and screw with that and it was completely different and surprise, he wasn't over. Shows yep. showed up in AEW and in one night and in one move, <laughs> it got over again and it's I, I can't wait to see what he does and how they use him. So, I mean, I you know, to, to Seth's point, I, I've bitched about the roster size in AEW for probably months now. Um, there are a few people that AEW should sign out of WWE immediately, and one of them is Keith Lee. I think the last probably two left for me are Johnny Gargano and Ricochet. And we know Johnny's done. It's just a matter of if and when he shows up somewhere again. Um, yeah, Keith Lee's one of the must-haves. I, I don't mind that signing at all. I do agree that the roster is bloated and they, they need to trim because he can't possibly get behind that many people. But kudos to, to bring in Keith Lee. What a what an entrance. And uh, yeah, let's let's see where he goes. It's gonna be awesome.
0: And this wasn't even one of those top cities. This was Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's not like this was Philadelphia, Toronto, Chicago, what have you. And the crowd was like an NXT crowd, chanting the Baskin is glory chant and and the uh, Keith Lee and the whoop whoop and they they were just on point. So kudos to the Atlantic City crowd.
2: Keith Lee versus Brian Cage, anyone?
0: Well, Brian yeah, Cage is <clears throat> Brian Cage is one of the ones that's kind of uh fallen off creative, uh kind of the AEW version of creative has nothing for you,
2: <laughs>
0: but I, I'll I'll say this: my neighbor sent me a text, and he says he wants to see Keith Lee versus Wardlow. Now, yep. Wardlow is is you know in the middle of a face transition, and uh, Keith is obviously a face. So I put together a short list of just matches with heels. I said Lee versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Versus Adam Cole, they already have existing NXT h- history. Keith Lee versus Brian Danielson. Keith Lee versus Cody. Be amazing. Yeah, versus mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, Andrade, Malachi Black, uh, Lance Archer, and even Keith Lee versus MJF. All
2: are possible now. I don't know if that last one, but. Good to the rest of them
1: well the promos would be amazing at least i'm sure the match would be good too but you, you could i could just imagine if we were going to get keith lee against mjf because if mjf ran from cm punk imagine how fast he'd run from a guy the size of keith lee one thing i want to touch on just before we
0: change to a different part of the show but uh I just have to commend CM Punk on his strong Twitter game even during the show as it's going on because they ran the whole angle of CM Punk needing to find a tag team partner. So between that segment or the end of that segment where the match was announced and the actual reveal of his tag team partner, he was on Twitter saying, are you in the country currently at Samoa Joe? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 credit to CM Punk for his mid-show tweets. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was great. But, Jarrett, I know you haven't seen the show in its entirety, but the opening segment with MJF and the Pinnacle is probably the best heel shtick that I've seen just way over the top in every possible heel category imaginable, and I can't wait to hear your reactions to this segment. But there was another debut, not a signing, but a debut on AEW television just before the Keith Lee debut in that... uh, phrase that we're all tired of hearing now from that forbidden door but uh seth why don't you clue us in to the switchblade jay white
1: yes he, he made his debut really he was only in one backstage segment but it involved the young bucks and uh it was a uh, punky vice where they jumped for punky vice backstage, and then Jay White kind of stepped in to deliver the final blow. Now, to explain all this, because I can do it, I think I can do it quickly enough. Roppongi vice Vice were uh, junior heavyweight tag champions in IWGP. The IWGP uh, junior heavyweight tag champions in, in New Japan feuded with the Bucks over them, and the Bucks were in Bullet Club, and And Jay White uh, replaced Kenny Omega as the leader of the the Bullet Club when Kenny left to help form AEW. So there is history with all of those guys there, including Adam Cole, who was also a leader of the Bullet Club. Not not a leader, but he was prominent in the Bullet Club when he was ROH champion. And before Kenny left, uh, he and adam cole you could tell they, they didn't get too far with it i think because AEW came along and, and kenny left but they were definitely teasing that there might be a coup or a struggle for power within bullet club between kenny and adam cole and possibly cody rhodes as well but then you know like i said uh kenny and cody left Left, Jay White simply took over the the Bullet Club from there. So that's kind of what the Bucks were hinting at later when they told Adam Cole like, wait a minute, this guy's, you know, this guy and Kenny were huge enemies, as uh, I believe as Jay White actually beat Kenny for the U.S. title. So that that it, it still adds to that. What is Adam Cole doing? Is he trying to keep the elite? Uh, in order, is he doing kind of similar to what MJF is doing and building his own stable and just trying to recruit guys for his own uh, interests? We'll see. But Jay White, with the possible exception of MJF and maybe Roman, I so will say he's one of. He's definitely one of the best heels uh, in the world right now, and I think he's still in his late 20s, and he hasn't had his prime yet. I think if he ever turns babyface, sky's the limit for him. But yeah, he's very effective as a as a heel. And I saw him as as a young lion and he had the the spunky underdog baby face vibe to him then.
2: Yeah, I've I've not seen a lot of him, so I don't really have uh, much to comment on there, unfortunately.
0: I haven't either, just what I've seen in Impact briefly and what I know of his history in New Japan, but also at the same time, I'm really intrigued with this whole Adam Cole thing because he seems to have his hands in a lot of stuff. And I know they're kind of, you know, they're moving his stuff along, but also waiting for the return of Kenny Omega, I think, to kick this story into overdrive. Um, he, he has a lot of connections, and I don't know what happened. what's happened with uh, Red Dragon lately. Um, they haven't been on in the last couple of weeks, I think. Um, so I don't know if I missed a story there as to why they haven't been on TV. I think Kyle O'Reilly's uh, wife just had their first child in December, I want to say. Um, but not sure what the story is there. But once everybody gets back on TV, including Kenny... Uh, it should be interesting to see where they, you know, move this story because Adam Cole's kind of got connections with a lot of people.
2: That'd be an interesting tie-in to like wrapping up, like you said, the um, kind of the well, the undisputed elite, put it that way, <laughs> the new EUE you know, versus Omega's group. So yeah, it'd still be and throwing that Jay in there would be an interesting twist if he was like the leader. Uh, on the japan side right so a lot of a lot of history to play off of
0: there was another debut of a talent but i i didn't see any indication that she was all elite but another nxt cast off um i don't have her nxt name handy but she was trained by booker t and on the show last night, went back to her indie name of AQA and she took on Jade Cargill. And they did better than just a squash. They, they actually had a competitive match and AQA hit a gorgeous, um, I don't remember if it was a shooting star press, I think that's what it was. But a gorgeous move out of the corner, and was like a half second away from becoming TBS champion. Just like that, uh, Jade dominated after that and retained the title to move to twenty seven and zero. But a great showing for AQA.
1: I believe her NXT name was Zeta Ramir,
0: I think. Yeah, that's it. I didn't have it handy, but I knew it if I would he- if I heard
1: it. <laughs> yeah, and. I get what they're trying to do with Jade Cargill. They're, they're trying to give her as much experience as possible, so they're putting her in longer matches. I, I don't consider myself much of an in-ring critic, so I can't really comment too much on what did and didn't look good in the match. But, uh, I mean, she de- she didn't look like she was lost out there. You know, so uh, that that's really all all I can put is you know, it was it. Wasn't the most exciting match in the show, but of course, I don't think it was meant to be. It was meant to be a showcase for her to make her debut in a losing effort.
2: I think she just needs to put that. You know the old saying, you know, like do something, um, you know, ten thousand times and you become an expert at it. I think she just needs to put it. She just needs to com- finish putting in the work. I mean, she's she can do stuff and she's got a great look. You can just kind of tell that she's not very fluid yet, right? So it's it's almost like she's kind of plotting stuff in the head. i to do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get for me to be. And you, can, you can see the wheel spinning and not everything is, the, the continuity isn't there. But once she puts that flow together, damn, just give her some time. Um, I think she's going to be pretty awesome when she gets a little more experience.
0: And you know what's funny? I just heard something similar to that about how the current NXT is, NXT 2.0. That everybody in the ring looks like they're going through drills, like everybody's cover for the pin is all, they all look at the same. Like they were remembering how to do it from class and everybody's <laughs> moves are all the same. I mean, so I'm I'm glad I ditched that brand when they turned it over. Cause that, that sounds painful to watch to me.
2: Well, but, you can, you can hide that, right? Like when you've got a rookie against a veteran, you can, the veteran can help hide that. When it's just all rookies in the ring together, like there's no way out of that. Right. Like it's either you nail it or you don't. And it either looks great or it looks horrible.
1: Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's the common practice to be around people who are better than you. If you're going to get better at wrestling, you work with people who are better than you and more experienced. But a lot of NXT guys, they're going out there and they're just having matches with other. NXT guys who've only been around for a little bit, and yet they're still putting them in like ladder matches and cage matches and stuff. So <laughs> it's, uh, you, you'd think they'd do the opposite. You'd think they'd have some vets around to get these guys better and girls, of course. So it's that, that seems to me to be like one of the, uh, simplest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, practices in, in wrestling is just you, you. Get these people to work with some veterans, and they'll get better.
0: And speaking of veterans and getting back to Dynamite, probably one of the best segments on the show in a pretty stacked show, but maybe an underrated under-the-radar segment, was Serena Deeb's five-minute challenge. And I just love everything about her professor character and this heel turn. And this work that she's doing right now, it is fantastic. And uh, she's giving other people the rub in the ring, and they're keeping her strong. And I would not be surprised if she's not either TBS or world champion by the end of 2022, just for even a short run, or at least a solid run. But
1: she's she's putting in work, let me tell you. Yeah, uh, that that was a nice segment for her to have so she just basically came out and had squash matches i I suppose i could complain about it being another blank whatever challenge which is the same thing jade cargill was doing but i think that's kind of low on the list of things to get annoyed about when you have two guys or girls essentially doing open challenges Jarrett, thoughts on
0: serena deeb
2: yeah i like the gimmick too um the, the the challenge thing, as long as they can maybe space it out or something, it's, it kind of sucks when you have two people doing the exact same thing, but within the context of their character, perhaps they can spice up and make it a bit different. So it's not, um, not terrible, not terrible. We can get along with it.
0: Sometimes you have to get along just to get along. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, on one of the best shows that they've put out in a while no Cody Rhodes on, on this show. So take that with whatever grain of salt you will. Oh, and also
1: um, one other thing. Sorry to keep going on your uh, the, the tag match with Punk and Moxley. I actually thought it was going to be Cole Cabana that was going to be Moxley's partner or Punk's partner. That was a great tag match. And the main event, if you liked your matches bloody, I mean, Adam Page totally got blood-soaked. Uh, and and they tried to work it in with uh Dan Lambert taking down the top rope so that simply so that hangman couldn't do the buckshot lariat so then but hangman finds a way to do it anyway i thought that was pretty cool so yeah b- both those uh matches the tag match and the main event were very good matches just give me a main event that i care about doesn't even have to be a match of the year candidate give me a main event that i care about and i'll be happy when... I was happy.
0: You know, it's an interesting dynamite when the main event for the world title is not even the highlight of the show. (laughs) I completely forgotten about it, but the last thing I wanted to talk about on this episode was the, what appears to be for the, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth time, but it seems to be sticking more. This time is the disintegration of the inner circle. And, uh, great promo from Santana and Ortiz and, uh, kind of dusted Jericho in this segment. And I don't know if that was by design or, uh, I'm hoping it was by design, but anyway, real great promo segment, even for Sammy, ha- uh, Sammy Hagar. Holy crap. Wow. Sam- <laughs> they were both <laughs> Sammy Guevara. Wow. All right. Um, TNT champion basically said, hey guys, get your shit together. I'm the champ. I don't need this. I'm out till you figure this out. And uh, uh, silent and rarely on TV, Jake Hager, I guess he's uh, finally cleared some time in his schedule to be able to participate. So next week it's going to be Jericho and Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. And it's being promoted as Inner Circle Implodes.
1: It does look like Jericho is the one that's turning heel in this. Like, if there is going to be a heel turn, it'll probably be Jericho. He's been a babyface for the better part of a year now, so that's fine. And he even said in a recent interview that, not that he's comparing himself directly to Undertaker, but he thinks that his role is kind of what Taker's was for years in WWE, which is basically the, the veteran that is there specifically to help get the new talent to that next level or the fresh talent you might say uh, and, and who knows maybe the the ma- there, there's a lot of ways they could go they could have the match the whole kind of beat respect into each other or something like that it's possible they may have this match and not implode after all but my understanding is uh, Jericho is actually himself wanting to uh, split up the inner circle because he figured you know what what else is there to do I don't know if that's what they're going to do. But uh, it's interesting either way, because you could, you could still have Santana Ortiz go heel in it. Like I said, you could have Jericho do it. You could have them stay together and there's logical ways they can go with it. where any way they go, it still makes sense.
2: Yeah. I like that. They can hide, well not hide, but yeah, hide Jericho in this in in a tag match. I mean, he's getting a little old, getting a little bloaty, but I mean, he can still go. Uh, so to to wrap this up, I mean, the inner circle has been a thing for an awful long time now. And I think he's, he's right. Like what left they have to do. They're just yet another faction in the list of, I don't know what, 12 that AEW has going on right now. So. Something nice like. of these, hey,
1: I just said something like, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's lots. So it'd be nice to let some of these guys go on their own and, uh, start making their own name for themselves rather than being kind of being under jericho or with jericho although i mean being aligned with him is is a thing in it of itself because of his name but you got to do it on your own at some point so let's give him a chance
0: i think walking through the aew locker room would be like trying to walk through a landmine except it's a landmine full of magnets. And all these factions are trying to pull you in some direction because of like you're a newly single star. You might just, you know, sneeze the wrong way and get absorbed into a faction. (laughs) Yeah. Not only roster bloat, but faction bloat. But anyway, uh, great episode overall of Dynamite Rampage is tomorrow. As we record this and uh, looking forward to more great matches, more great stories. And that is what we get with AEW. So I wanted to keep this episode short next week. We have our elimination chamber predictions and any noteworthy news stories we will get to next week as well. Any final thoughts?
1: One thing I couldn't help but notice about dynamite this week was I think the entire first hour had like 10 minutes of wrestling in it and three of those minutes were during a commercial break that's like wwe raw levels of non-wrestling but as the kind of modern saying goes i ain't even mad because they don't do that usually you know raw's the one that has the 20 minute opening promo segments and the AEW's done it from time to time but they had both of those talking segments that we talked about, the opening segment and the inner circle segment. Those were all pretty long promo scenes in the first hour. And then I think in the, the, the matches were the Keith Lee match and the, uh, uh, the Wardlow squash match. But that second hour was almost entirely all matches. So they, what they didn't have in the first hour, they, just had it all in this in the second hour so that uh, that evens out and um, you talked about ratings at the beginning of the episode uh, there uh, Josh uh, believe it or not uh, the number was one point one two nine million if I recall correctly basically one point one three million and they got a point four one in the 18 to forty nine demo and based on that demo, like how most shows are ranked today by the Nielsen's, AEW was number one on cable last night. USA was running the Olympics all day on cable, Not, obviously different than NBC. Yeah, NBC is over the air and USA is a, is a cable channel. But they were number one overall and number one in their slot last night, which means they beat the freaking Olympics. Think about that for a minute. Obviously not in overall viewership, but in but in that demo uh, in that demo. So that's pretty amazing. And so far, my prediction has come true because I said once they go to TBS, I fully expect them to average uh, one million or more viewers. Uh, they've dipped under one million twice uh, in January, but I think this was the sixth week. So that's four weeks they've been above, and I think they're averaging like 1.03 million or something like that. So if they keep at the course they're going now. They're gonna average a million probably throughout the rest of the year. That's actually what I expect them to do.
0: So what you're saying is AEW versus the Olympics? No question. AEW. The Olympics versus Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw had one of their lowest ratings ever. Never mind the fact that they were on the sci-fi channel. Who cares? <laughs> numbers are numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: That's pretty awesome though. Wow. All
0: right, well, As I said, next week, we've got predictions again. And until then, once again, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle Podcast Network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBPShow, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash BehindTheSquaredCircle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at TheBaconRev. And you can follow Josh at SouthpawJosh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from the Wrestling Brethren.